Another hour going as we get things kicked off on this Thursday, January 4th from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Welcome to this hour of Flames Talk with Aaron Vickers of NHL.com. My name is Pat Steinberg. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hopefully your week has gone by well so far. And hey, you know what? We're four days into a new calendar year and we've got some we've got some really good news to help kick off a brand new calendar year because the Oliver Shillington news on Thursday, the Oliver Shillington story that continues to progress, that's uh, that's good news. The Oliver Shillington road to return continues. It took another huge step on Thursday morning as he has joined the American League's Calgary Wranglers on a conditioning assignment. Here are the uh, statements from the team. First, a statement from Oliver Shillington released by the Flames on Thursday. It says, quote, I feel I'm in a good place with my mental health and ready to take another step forward. Returning to Calgary has been the right decision. I felt tremendous commitment from Flames ownership, management, and my teammates, and I'm appreciative of the support and resources made available to me. I also thank my family, friends, and the fans for their encouragement. I'm looking forward to getting on the ice in a team environment and back to my everyday life. I've missed it very much, end quote. That comes from Oliver. And then this from General Manager Craig Conroy, quote, first and foremost, as an organization, we care about Oliver as a person. We are so happy that he's made positive progression with his mental well-being, and we will continue to support Oliver through this process. Based on his feedback and that of health professionals, we have developed a return-to-play plan for Oliver. This conditioning assignment to the Wranglers for full practice integration is the next step in that process. Oliver will continue with his treatment, and we will monitor as he moves forward, end quote. So first of all, like just, I I know that you concur, um, just any... Any step forward is a is a good step forward. Big time smile on a lot of Flames fans' faces, and and just overall from a, a human perspective, great news uh, when it comes to Oliver Shillington. Here's kind of how I understand things, Vix. Since we saw him on the ice just over a month ago, it was December first when he skated at Max Bell, and it was December first when we first saw him as part of a really optional practice at Max Bell, take a spin in a Flames jersey. That was the first time he had been back in like an official team sanctioned situation uh, since that time he has been skating and working out at the Scotiabank Saddledome on a regular basis and has continued to take part in kind of like flame sanctioned things not working out on his own not uh, skating on his own skating at the dome with a flames practice jersey in the flames locker room in the flames workout facility and late last month, it, it felt like things were starting to move in a more positive direction. We mentioned earlier this week how, you know, we've got a good feeling that this, uh, that this could end up being a situation where he does return to NHL action this year. And we said that because it, it felt like things had started to move in that direction. And, and I, wouldn't have, I, wouldn't have made, I wouldn't have said that unless, you know, it, it, it felt like we were getting close to another step being taken and it felt like this next step was knocking on the door. I, I don't know if I was expecting it the same week, but here it is. It, it, it just felt like late last month, things really started to take another step forward for Oliver. So now he joins the Wranglers for a little bit. He's going to get some practices in down there and then we'll see where things go. He had his first practice on Thursday morning at the dome. I know the Wranglers play this weekend, but there are no expectations here. And I just, I, I, I want to be very clear on that, that yes, the Wranglers have a couple of games on Friday and Saturday, but there's no expectations, no pressure. And I, I guess I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play this weekend, I, I guess is the way I would put it. There's just like no expectations or, or no set timeline on this thing. And the practices and being in a team environment that's the important thing. 
That's the that's the big next step. Him being around teammates, being out there in a full practice, going through some battle drills, just a little bit of a bigger step or the next step towards normalcy for Oliver. So this is awesome. Uh, I I I don't I don't know what we're gonna see this weekend. And I don't think there should be any expectations that he will play this weekend, but just him getting back out there for practice and being around the team, it's just another awesome step in this uh, return, this this road to a return for Oliver Shillington. That put a big smile on a lot of people's faces on Thursday, didn't it? Yeah, I know. When I saw the uh, the assignment on Twitter, I was like, oh. I, I was like you. I wasn't necessarily expecting the next step to happen so quickly. But in seeing it, you can't help but feel good for him. You can't help but feel good for the organization. And the one thing that I really kind of keyed in on as you're reading the statements is Craig Conroy, we have a return to play plan. And that plan will stay between the Calgary Flames and Oliver Shillington, as it should. As it should. And I'm definitely not going to read into anything I see on the ice or off the ice until he and the Calgary Flames feel ready for him to be in games, whether that's the AHL or NHL, but in particular the NHL. It's just good to see him back around a group and back around some familiar faces and, and just being back out on that ice in a team setting. I'm just, we'll, we'll get to the hockey side of things in a little bit, but it's just, uh, as we talked about just over a month ago when he skated for the first time, it's just, this is a really awesome it's, it's a really awesome feel-good story. I know he wasn't ready to go in September. And I know that, I don't want to say the word disappointing, but I know there was a lot of excitement when we saw Oliver in that hype video for training camp. Mm-hmm. And he was there doing the, they, they kind of call it the car wash, where they go through and they do a bunch of video. They do a hype video here and they do a hype video there. They do their jumbotron poses. They do their celebration. Like It's, it's kind of like a getting ready for the season, getting ready for training camp type thing. And he was part of it. And then we got the release as we were sitting there getting ready for the first on-ice session that Oliver's not ready. Is it, is it paraphrase the the release? Oliver's not ready and no further comment. As right. There shouldn't be. And so the I, I know there was a lot of excitement and that's you're like, oh, dang, he's not ready. But he'll be, the the, the word then and kind of my, my feel then was he'll be ready when he's ready. And if he's not ready right. then... Well, then when he's ready is the right time. And and so the fact that he is taking this step and is able to get back into a practice means there's been some real progression here. And there's been some really big steps forward taken. And he's that much closer to, you know, putting all of the demons and all of the the struggles and, and the, the real hell that's been the last 18 plus months. He's He's ready to put it behind him. So the fact that, he is ready to return to a practice at the American League level. Means he's probably that much closer to being ready to return to a practice at the NHL level. Where, like, hey, he belongs in the NHL. He's an NHLer, and and it just continues to give us a good feeling and keep the door open that a return to the Flames is still very much in the cards. Maybe it is this season. Hopefully, it is this season, and it feels like there's a pretty good chance it is this season. But just period that a return is in the cards. Good on him, and and I uh, I feel really good for him because I I know that it has been at times just a straight up living hell over the last eighteen months, and so I, I I'm really happy that he's walked through or, or or continues to walk through that fire and and is maybe starting to come out on the other side. Good for him. Yeah, and I'll I'll just caution as I've said sort of throughout this whole process is this doesn't necessarily mean that this is a linear return to being a full-time Absolutely. member of the Calgary Flames. Practicing with the Wranglers, that's step one. Whatever step two is in the return to play plan for, plan for the Calgary Flames will be executed between Oliver Shillington and the Calgary Flames as it should be. It's just good to see him back on Saddle Dome ice because I know in all my interactions with him, he's, he's an infectious personality. He's a fun guy to be around. 
and you just hope the best for an individual like that. Yeah. Here's uh here's a little bit of reaction from the Flames in Nashville. They're playing the Predators on Thursday night. Here's uh, head coach Ryan Huska when asked about this. It's a huge step for him and us. I mean, he's he's done a really good job of working on himself, and I think our organization has done a great job of providing him with all the tools necessary to try to help him get back. So this is the next step for him. So he's going to get an opportunity to get into some team practices, and um, you know we're fully expecting that's going to go well for him. That's our hope and belief, and then we'll uh, continue to progress as we move along. This is a, a positive step for him for sure that's head coach ryan huska here's captain michael backland it's great uh it's been great seeing him around the locker room uh for most of december uh seeing him around talk to him and you know see him as a normal self uh, being chatty and uh a happy guy so uh, it's been it's been great to see him and finally here is uh fellow d-man rasmus anderson you know he's been around for the last uh, last little while and it, it's good to see him coming back and it's good to see him uh, kind of figure out whatever he's been through and uh, we couldn't be more excited and happier for him uh, as a team and you know just the person Oliver and coming back and it's been a, it's been a long road back for him but we're really excited to get him back and just a, a a tip of the hat to how the flames have handled this thing as well i mean especially this season when he's been in calgary you know it was it's not like they it's not like it was out of sight out of mind last year when he was still in sweden but now that he's been back in calgary and it's kind of been uh, a little bit more I, I think it's just been a little bit more uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. Um, it's been a little bit more present that this is this is a a maybe thing and and something that could go either way because he came back to Calgary and wasn't ready to return. And so, you know, when when there's a situation like that, I think there had at times been, is he going to stay? Is he going to return to Sweden? Since September, he's been here, and, and that's a really, really big thing. So he has not gone back since coming over in September. And and it's just since he's gotten here, they, they've taken, I, I think, a, a really, really, um, I don't know, admirable approach, approach that I think is a real standard setter for other pro sports teams when it comes to players dealing with mental health and I'm not that's not a criticism to other sports right. teams I mean the avalanche and how they're dealing with Sam Gerrard is 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 awesome you know uh, the, the LA Dodgers have been a a real um standard setter in a lot of ways in in a couple of different instances but the flames have been supportive they've been empathetic they they have not at any point put any pressure there um they they've allowed him to take small steps Allowed is the wrong word. They, they've been supportive as he takes small steps right. uh, at his own pace. I don't know. It's, it's just a, it's a pro sports organization dealing with mental health in a really reassuring and, and encouraging way. And I just, I think they deserve a tip of the hat for that. Good on them because look, I, I think it's important to do in now 2024 to be dealing with mental health in a different way than maybe 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. I, I just, I just think it's a really reassuring way. The flames have gone about this as well. And, and I think it's, I think it's paid a ton of dividends. You heard it in Oliver's statement. I know, and I've been saying this for a while, there is a, a large amount of gratitude from the Shillington camp and, and from Oliver in terms of the way the flames have, have handled this too. So good on them. They, they've handled this really well. My interpretation of the situation is they've basically treated a mental health situation the same they would if a guy was on the shelf with a long-term injury or whatnot. There's no, you wouldn't, a guy that broke his leg, you wouldn't expect him to be back in the lineup in three weeks. I know this is kind of a poor example to equate, but they've treated, it, they've treated it as seriously as they would a physical injury. And I don't think necessarily in pro sports over the last 25 years that's necessarily been the approach of course we've taken strides in that direction over the course particularly over the course of the last 10 years so it, you're right a tip of the hat to the calgary flames for treating it the way that it should be treated yeah you know mental health is health and it's uh you know i i think the the that's a great way to put it mental health is health well and it's it's a lot of times it's it's an injury it's it, i i think that it really is i know it has not been treated or looked at as such always like that over the last number of years. But that that's just the way that I think has really helped push the whole thing forward is that 
I mean, everybody, I'm, I'm sorry, everybody deals with yes. mental health issues. Nobody's brain is immune. And so it, it's, it's important, I think, to deal with it like that some, all the time. And, and this one was a little bit more serious, and there were more things that were being worked through. And, yeah, it's been a, it has been a hellish road at times. But I give, I give the person a ton of credit for walking through it and dealing and continuing to progress and the Flames for being there all, all along the way. And, and I think Flames fans have, you know, by and large, done a hell of a job. Yes. So you get the odd like, oh, what the hell is this? But you know what? That's been so minuscule that I, I just saw the reaction online, saw the reaction on Instagram and Twitter and and when the Flames put out those statements and the video got shown by the Flames, you see the reaction from Flames fans. It's not like, oh, finally. It's like everybody just smiles. And damn, that's so awesome to see him. And and I know that everybody was so excited and, and hoped that it would be in September. Well, okay. So it needed to take a few more months. And I just I give Flames fans a lot of credit, too. And I thought it was cool to see him even acknowledge that there's been a ton of encouragement from fans throughout the way. Because this... Uh, if when this happens, and we'll dive in on the hockey side in just a second, but if when this happens, Vix, that's that's top feel-good story of the entire season. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Yeah, you can pen that one into the top five um, things to happen to the Calgary Flames when we do the rundown in December of 2024. Just You, you, you said it really well there. It's just going to be a, a touching moment if and when he's able to return to the ice as a member of the Calgary Flames. Um, a few texts before we dive in on the hockey side of things. Uh, Dylan and Revy says, I'm very impressed with how the organization uh, has handled this. I don't know most of it, obviously, but giving a guy his privacy and not pressuring him to get back ASAP is so good. And I hope it sets the standard around the sporting or overall world. Happy to see him taking a step and happy he's smiling. Um, and yeah, you know what? I think it's a really like a, I think it's a really good standard to set just for your organization. And I think it goes a long way in terms of how other people see your organization, how other player, players see your organization. Uh, this says, Pat, the word you're looking for is patient. And uh, yes, I agree. The whole situation has been handled very well on both sides. Yeah. Patience. And, but, but Understanding. The, underst- I, 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 patience yeah. in the sense that not in like the, oh, yeah, we'll be patient. It, it hasn't been like that. It's just been like, when you're ready, we're happy to, to do whatever you're ready to do. Is is the way that I would uh, I would phrase it. Uh, this says amidst all the ire at management, I'm really impressed at the investment the Flames have put into Oliver's mental health. Awesome to see. Um, so there's a few of the texts on today's news about number 58, and I also think to a lesser extent because the important part is the human side and and the guy being able to come back and and just the overall feet and 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 uh, milestone or uh, signpost that it is that he's been able to take this step but I also think for the first time it's actually appropriate to talk about it from a hockey standpoint you know you don't feel you don't feel like you're jumping the gun you don't feel like you're um, you know having your priorities out of whack all of a sudden when you start talking about it from a hockey standpoint, maybe I would have felt like that. I did feel like that in December and definitely felt like that at at different times when the conversation has come up over the last number of weeks or months. But now he's been out there for a practice. There is a return to play plan. The flames have gone official with this and, and come out with statements like this is now starting to, while there's no timeline or anything, this is now starting to, to move and progress. So with the caveat that there's no timetable, I think it's fair to envision, Vix, what it might look like with number 58 back on Calgary's blue line. Yeah, as you mentioned, there's a return to play plan. They're obviously hoping to execute something that will have Shillington return as a full-time member of the Flames this season. And there is a lot of wrinkles or implications or what have you with him returning in terms of how they can deploy their defense players, where he's going to be when he comes back, what they're able to do in terms of the trade market and the stability that it might give them. So, yeah, absolutely. There are a lot of things you you can juggle if and when he's able to return, and, and it really sets up the flames. And We've talked a lot over the course of the past couple of seasons, even prior to, to Shillington's situation going, 
Calgary Flames have a really strong defense group. They've got a lot of depth and and arguably their deepest position, whether you look at the the blue line or you look at the goaltending situation or down the middle at center, defense was going to be one of their big strengths. And I'll be interested to see where he's at and how that might impact the Flames moving forward. And uh, the, the question about cap implications, as far as I understand it, um, they'll just be able to, they're, they're, they're in a good enough cap situation with Zadorov's money gone. Yeah. They're out um, of LTIR right now. Well, they they're, not? they're still in LTIR, but they're also accruing cap space because of, uh, the fact they're not fully into LTIR and they've anyway, fact of the matter is they'll be able Correct. to activate Oliver off of LTIR without having to make any cap moves. Like they'll just be able to, if that, if when that becomes a situation they need to, um, they need to look at, they'll be able to activate him off of LTIR and put him right back onto the active roster. There's a few things that I think are important. Um, and I, I double checked with Pike on this. So, um, means that we have our official CBA, our official unofficial. Uh, No, no, I, I, I'm, I'm willing to just say official, official. And I also know he talked to the league official, a high-ranking one on this. So um, basically, because he's still on LTI right now and he is still not on an active roster, he is able to remain on LTI as he goes on this conditioning assignment. Um, It is, and again, this is credit to Pike, it is six days or three team games for the Wranglers, uh, whatever's longer. So that would mean he's able to stay down there on LTI until Thursday, which is the third Wranglers game uh, that they would play while this assignment is going on. They can also ask for a slight extension, apparently, as well. So he can be down there for a weekish, um, maybe play, maybe not play. Again, there's no expectation that he will or is going to play, um, but there's definitely that opportunity if everybody's ready for it. Um, and then once that conditioning assignment expires he can remain on LTI and even practice with the flames uh and then if they would want to go on like the traditional conditioning assignment he would have to be taken off of LTI then he would be able to go on a 14-day conditioning assignment with the Wranglers and and get some games in there point is that you know there's there's still weeks and weeks and weeks until an NHL return is even from a physical standpoint is is kind of in the cards, because remember, like we're talking about a guy that right now has it would be jumping in with guys who are almost halfway through a season. Right. So I, I there's some physical ramping up that, that oh, yeah, needs 100%. to be have on, on top of the the mental readiness and all that type of stuff. So um, we're still a little ways away, but yes, they can activate him, and whenever it's time to activate him, they won't have any issues doing so. So that's that's an answer to uh, a question that I've seen a few times. I'm so glad you went to Pike on that because just the sheer volume of mechanisms available and, and the rules surrounding it, I would have been absolutely lost, and I would have just given you a quiet little shoulder shrug and went, you know the CBA better than I do. You you tell me. I know? You know the CBA better than I do, but Pike knows the CBA a million times better than either of us. Yeah. That's probably why, that's fair. Why I always, that's why I'm always into those <laughs> Pike DMs. Like you're like, hey, Pike, what's going on? Um, so that's the, that's the, the kind of cap and, and procedural stuff. Um, so then you start thinking, with everyone still here, what could those pairings look like? You're like, oh, gives you lots of all of, a, all of a sudden you've got five top four defensemen again. Because remember the last time we saw Oliver Shillington play in May of 2022, he was on a pairing with Chris Tanev. Yes, he was. And he was playing some really high-level hockey, and that was one of Calgary's best pairings. So you're like, okay. Could they go Shillington with Tanev, Anderson with Uyghur? Where does that leave Hannafin? Do you put all of a sudden you're like, do you say Gilbert with Anderson, Shillington with Tanev, and then you go like there's all kinds of different. Do you go Shillington with Uyghur and have Hannafin and Tanev stay together? You could put Hannafin and Anderson back. It just gives you a lot of different fun things as you start to move those different names around on your pretend depth chart. Yeah, you made a good point. Like when the last time we saw him, he was a number four defenseman in the NHL. He had nine goals and 31 points and averaged 1809 of ice time in 73 games in the 2021 22 season. His last game came May 26, 2022. 
playoff game versus the Edmonton Oilers, if you need a reference. Where I would use him in the short term would probably be more with Gilbert. As you mentioned, there's going to be some getting up to speed to do. This isn't even a situation where if he had come back in training camp, you're kind of all starting at the same spot where you haven't actually had game competition for three or four months, depending on how deep your team went into the playoffs. And remember we talked to Conroy about that at the Targets for Kids event in the summer. And and at that time, you know, things were moving in a positive direction with Oliver. And and basically what Craig said was, it doesn't really matter that he missed the season prior. The fact that he would be coming back at an even playing field with everybody starting training camp would be big. Whereas this is a situation where he'd be coming back with guys who are very much into the full swing of things. So there's going to be some, there's, there's going to be some ramping up that needs to happen. I, I'd be pretty stunned if we don't see him play a few American league games again, not so much on this conditioning assignment right now, but at some point before he makes his NHL return, be pretty surprised if he doesn't get a game or two in, in the American league first. Yeah. We have to keep in mind that he's roughly 35 games behind everybody else. And we always hear NHLers talk about how the game as you progress through the season, takes a step and takes a step. And one of those major steps comes after the Christmas slash New Year refresh or break or what have you. There's going to be another one that happens after the All-Star game. And then, of course, there's going to be another one after the trade deadline. So it's not as if, as you mentioned, and as Craig Conroy mentioned to us in, in preseason, it's not as if he's coming in with 22 other guys on the Flames and 700 players around the league that haven't played a competitive game in four months. So there is going to be a lot of getting up to speed. There's going to as good of a shape. I, I don't doubt the physical shape that he's in because he's a beast when it comes to working out if you've ever seen a video. But the, and the good news is, is this isn't an ACL surgery or something like that where you're rehabbing right. a lower body injury. His calling card's always been his skating. But to me, there is going to be a little bit of adjustment to pace of play even more so than it would have been in training camp, even more so than if it would have been at pre-Christmas. So in thinking with that, I, I ease him in in terms of minutes played, just get him back into game situations, so on and so forth. But if he gets back to that number four stature that he had alongside Chris Tanev, and you've still got your full complimented defenseman here, that is incredibly... If I'm Ryan Huska... And I've got those five plus Gilbert. I'm pretty happy about how my defense looks. Now, at some point, they probably won't have those five. True. But it just, it, it makes you think, he, okay, if if next week they move Hannafin and Hannafin has, has moved on, well, now, potentially at some point, I don't think next week, but in a month or a month and a half, well, all of a sudden, maybe you've got a guy that can move back in and be a you know one of your top left side defensemen all of a sudden um you know if they if they do move on from both Hannafin and Tanev well now you're looking at Uyghur almost has to be playing the left side but not maybe not but it it would almost automatically depending on who would come back in trades almost automatically would have a guy like Oliver as one of your top options on the left side uh, just based on the depth chart as it looks like right now. And I know that's getting ahead of ourselves, and I really do want to continue pushing the caveat. There's still a lot of ifs here, but right. for the first time it does feel appropriate to talk about the hockey on ice implications at, on, on, in addition to the off ice stuff, which has has been a real positive for Oliver here over the last month or so. Yeah, and as you preface, depending on what comes back, if you option... Chris Tanev and Noah Hannafin via trade. There's ample opportunity for a lot of defensemen within the organization, not just Shillington, to seize more ice time and to seize a bigger role and audition themselves. And I would probably put Shillington at the front of the line in terms of my confidence level in somebody absorbing that added responsibility. So here are a few more texts. Um, this from Todd. Good afternoon, gents. Don't you feel this move is in an, in anticipation of losing at least one D-man at the deadline and what impact will ha- that have on the pairings? Well, Todd, first of all, I want to say that this has zero impact. Like, they, no, or, sorry, this has zero connection to Calgary's trade deadline. Just like trading Nikita Zadorov had nothing to do with exactly. Shillington skating the next day after that trade. Shillington taking these initial steps to return to play 
has nothing to like do with they, what the Flames might do with the trade. Exactly. Deadline. This is happening independent of what the Flames are doing with their roster. So there's, there is zero connection. And I can tell you that for a fact, in incontrovertible fact, that there's no connection. Oliver's going to be ready when he's ready. And the fact that it happens to be two months ahead of a trade deadline where the Flames may be moving guys out is, is truly a coincidence. He's ready when he's ready. That being said, it does give you another left-side defenseman on your roster if you do decide to trade somebody. Um, this says pro athlete or not, this guy hasn't played any kind of real minutes in over two years. I take, take two weeks off of marathon training, and I feel like I'm going to die. And I don't want to, I, I don't want to downplay your marathon training, but elite athletes are different than you and I. The other thing now, is, uh, in all fairness, this guy's running a marathon, so I'll give him a tip of the hat. But your other thing is, well, I my other thing is, is that Oliver Shillington will not be the first guy in pro sports to come back and play after an extended time, extended time away from playing. Like it's not like me coming off the couch after not going to the gym for two years. Like this. Well, first of all, they're yeah. going to ramp. It's, it's not like he hasn't been working out and skating exactly. and working his working his behind off here over the last little bit because he has. Like, his workouts are different than my workouts, right? Like, so he, he ain't just going to a hit class. He's, he's working out like a pro athlete works out and has been for a long time, not even just the last month. And then when you start to ramp up and get ready to return to playing a sport at its very highest level, there's, there's that too. Plus, he's an elite athlete. And I, I think of guys who have missed entire seasons with ACL injuries or concussions or whatever – Guys come back and can still play at the highest level. You don't lose that ability. So I, I do want to also put that out there. Um, and uh, this says it may never come out, but I hope we hear the story that Oliver went through. If he wants to, then awesome. If he doesn't, then awesome. It's just awesome to see him back uh, with the group. We'll see where this thing goes. Good on you. And uh, just to uh, wrap things up before we hit the uh, before we hit the uh, round table. Kudos to Oliver and uh, for continuing to walk this path, and kudos to the Flames for how they've dealt with it. It's been an awesome story on both sides. Vickers and Steinberg, uh, we're coming at you this hour on Flames Talk from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement -y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Anything and everything Calgary Flames. It's all on Flames Talk. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, time now for a Thursday edition of the Daily Flames Roundtable. Brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The fastest growing segment of vehicles they sell is electric. Informed buyers are coming to see. Perhaps you should discover why. Minutes from the Calgary Airport. It is Pat Steinberg, Aaron Vickers of NHL.com. Now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our Daily Flames roundtable. Uh, just before we dive in on our roundtable topics, Wills, uh, uh, Vix and I just spent the last 30 minutes talking Oliver Shillington. Just wanted to uh, give you a chance. Uh, back practicing with the Wranglers. He's on a conditioning stint. And another big step for Oliver in his road to return. Just a quick thought from you, my friend. Yeah, I'm really excited for him uh, and for the Flames because I think it's been so long since we've seen him play. We forget how good he was the last time he played, uh, primarily on a pairing with Chris Tanev, turned himself into a top four defenseman, skates like the wind, uh, certainly has improved defensively over the years. Uh, he's got a lot of upside offensively. So, you know, he's a good hockey player. So, you know, he'd be a, a big addition to the Flames' blue line if he were to come back. But you know, for me, it's more about uh, the personal side. Uh, when I was walking into the Flames dressing room last week, he popped his head out of the gym and we had a quick little chat. It was good just to see him and to see him with a smile on his face and to say a quick hello. But, you know, great to see some photos of him uh, practicing with the Calgary Wranglers today, to see him on the ice and to see him on the ice with a gigantic smile on his face. This has been a, a long road back for Oliver Shillington. And, now, I'd love to see him play in some games, whether they be in the AHL or, or NHL sometime soon. But, you know, first and foremost, uh, really happy for the person. He's a good guy and uh, he's worked really hard to get to this point. So uh, happy to see him take that next step in, in his road to hopefully a return to the lineup sometime soon. Yep. Another uh, another neat step and good on him. Um, okay. 
Let's uh, let's talk some on ice with the Flames here as they get set for a Thursday game against the Nashville Predators. Another chance for Calgary to get above the 500 mark for the first time since October. Um, at some point, guys, they got to do this. At some point, they got to get themselves. If 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 they're gonna want to be a playoff team, if they're gonna want to keep themselves in this race long term, at some point, being above 500 is gonna be non-negotiable, right? Oh, 100%. I mean, uh, they're going to have to be an above 500 team to even stay in the playoff race, let alone get in a playoff spot. And for me, that starts tonight. Uh, they've been able to battle back to 500 a number of times, but haven't been over 500 since they were, what, 2-1-1? One, and one? Yep. Four games into the season. I think it was October 19th, if I'm not mistaken, the last time they had an above 500 record in the win-loss column. And this team's been playing some pretty good hockey. Uh, again, you can't throw out the two seven and one start to the season, but they are an above 500 team since then. They've been getting uh, more from some of their top players. You saw Andrew Mangiapane snap an eight game goal this streak a couple of nights ago, Jonathan Huberto an 18 game goal this streak. Uh, there's been plenty of talk about uh, how good Jacob Markstrom has been. You had a great conversation about that uh, yesterday, and some people think he deserves to be in the uh, conversation for the Vesna Trophy again, which is uh, an award he was the runner-up for a couple of seasons back. So, you know, this is a team that uh, has been definitely trending in the right direction. Uh, defensively, they've been a lot better since about the middle of December. If you go back to December 12th, the Flames have only given up 2.33 goals per game. That's third best in the NHL. Now, Jacob Markstrom has been a big part of that, but I think the team has played better defensively in front of him as well, which is really important for a team that isn't built to win 6-5. It's built to win 3-2. So that's been huge for this team, but they're, they're going to have to get above 500. And guys, uh, I know it probably seem, seems crazy to say this or to think this before we get to the uh, midway mark of the season, but I feel like they have to do it against the Predators tonight. It's another proverbial four-pointer against one of the teams you're trying to track down for a Western Conference wildcard spot, and it can't keep being two steps forward, one step back for this team. They've got to string some wins together, and beating teams that you're battling with is going to be more important than anything else. So if the Flames are going to get into the playoff race or stay in the playoff race, depending on how you look at things, uh, I think it starts tonight getting above 500 finally for the first time since the fourth game of the season by beating a good Predators team on the road. Yeah, if they want to have any sort of playoff aspiration, they're going to need to play above that 500 mark. Obviously, they've gotten there. They need to stay there. They need to go a little bit above it. The Arizona Coyotes are on pace right now for 91 points. They currently hold the second wild card. So that means for the Flames to get to 92, they're going to need 55 points in the remaining 45 games. So clearly, they're going to have to play it a clip better than 500, better than 550. Whether or not they can sustain sort of the little mini run they're on right now to get them back up to 500, and I know it's kind of been a win to lose to steal a point here, lose a point there. But the fact of the matter is, if you're going to try to even begin to climb over the four teams you need to, plus Minnesota, that's also at a 500 points percentage, you're going to need to do it. And as to Wilsey's point, the wins that you truly need are going to be against the likes of the Minnesota Wild, which they got, St. Louis Blues, Seattle Kraken, Edmonton Oilers, Arizona Coyotes, and of course the Nashville Predators that currently hold the first wild card spot. Yeah, it's it's um, honestly like it's non-negotiable to be above five hundred if you're going to want to be a playoff team. It just and it, at some point, if you keep failing to be able to do it, you're just not going to be relevant anymore. Event two or three or more of Nashville, Arizona, St. Louis, Seattle, Edmonton, they're going to leave you behind if you don't get above that. Again, like I go back to last year, and I think the Jets were 13 games above 500, and they were by far the worst of the playoff teams in terms of their record. So like 13 games above 500, and the Flames haven't been above since game four in mid-October. So yeah, long story short, like if they're going to want to get there, if they're going to want to be uh, a true playoff uh, factor, and if they're going to want to stay in this race for a wild card spot, it's gonna it's gonna have to happen. And yeah, to happen this time would be good. If it doesn't, and it happens, and then they win their next two after that, whatever, just get there and stay there and. 
stop having this conversation because we shouldn't be like from a record standpoint, we shouldn't be celebrating 500 or getting above 500. So enough, get over it. And then we can maybe start to be a little bit more positive about the record. If you're talking, Oh, okay. Now there are 10 games above 500. Okay. That would be something a little bit more to celebrate as opposed to being one game over for the first time in like three months. That would be a, a lot to celebrate, actually, with the, the grind that this season has been for this team. But this has been a, a small picture goal for the Flames for quite some time. And it's, uh, I think, a lot like, this might be a bad analogy, but uh, running up uh, an escalator the wrong way. Uh, you do it two or three times, and then eventually you get tired of trying to do it, and you give up. Now, I'm not saying that if the Flames don't beat the Predators tonight to get to one game above 500 in the win-loss column, that their season is done. It, it certainly wouldn't be mathematically. But at some point in time, you're going to have to get over the hump and stay over the hump. You, you can't get to one game above 500 by winning tonight and then lose a tough back-to-back to, to wrap up this four-game road trip and then come home one game below 500 again. You've got to get above 500, and you've got to stay above 500. And for me, this is a really important game tonight. Again, games against teams that you're trying to catch when you not only have a three-point gap between yourselves in a playoff spot, you've got teams you've got to climb over. You've got to beat those teams head-to-head because, again, it, these are proverbial four-point games. If the Flames beat the Predators in regulation time tonight, not only are they picking up two points, they're taking two points away from a team that they're trying to track down in the standings. So this is a big game tonight, guys. I don't want to uh, say that this is the biggest game so far this season, but uh, I'm not going to lie. It kind of feels that way because, again, the Flames have been trying to get back to uh, above 500 for such a long time. I feel like if they don't do it now, it, it might not happen, or if it does happen, it's going to be too little too late. Pat, to your point about 500 not being something to necessarily celebrate, only six teams in the NHL aren't at 500 or above in terms of points percentage because of how many three-point games there have been. Yeah. So you're going to need to get to that 560 mark if you want to have a have a real healthy shot at one of those wildcard spots, in my book. Um, yeah, and I mean... Please save me on the text line with the they're not above 500. Please, <laughs> I tried please, to get in front of it with that. Please. 500 in 2024 is calculated now on points, points versus games played and points percentage. It is not on, yes, the Flames after, after this game against Nashville will still have lost more than they've won. Please don't yell at me on the text line. This is how 500 is calculated in 2024. I don't make the rules. NHL.com I just does. abide by them. It's our Daily Flames Roundtable with Derek Wills, Aaron Vickers, and Pat Steinberg. Kind of on that same wavelength, guys. I mean, we know that uh, as, as we always have the caveat, when it, whenever we're talking about the Flames right now, there's always that caveat of, yeah, but we don't know what the roster is going to look like in X amount of days or weeks or months which is true. We don't know when or who these decisions are going to affect and when they're going to be made. Um, But let's just say the Flames do move on from two, three, four regular players on their roster and go in a younger direction between now and March 8th. Something that we kind of talked about on Wednesday's roundtable with how well Jacob Markstrom's playing right now. Guys, how how confident are you that Jacob Markstrom, the way he's played this season, what we've seen from him since returning from the finger injury, how confident are you that regardless of what the Flames do at the deadline, that Markstrom's the type of goalie that could keep the Flames competitive in this playoff race they currently find themselves in? Well, first of all, there's a reason why I always say 500 in the win-loss column, because then people can't push back. Because That's true. there are three columns. There are wins, there are losses, and there are overtime and shootout losses. So if you just tag that on to, to talking about being above 500 uh, in the win-loss column, then I think it's harder for people to push back. But you know, speaking of uh, being 500 in the win-loss column, that is exactly what Jacob Markstrom is right now. And that's pretty impressive when you consider that he started the season 1-6-1 and one, and since then has gone 9-4-1. and one. You look at his numbers. A 3.03 goals against average and an 8.97 save percentage in his first eight games. A 2.43 goals against average and a 9.13 save percentage in his last 14. He has been 
maybe the best player on the team during that stretch of games. And and I know that he, he missed some because of a broken finger, but it almost at this point in time uh, appears to have been a blessing in disguise guys, because I think he's played his best hockey in two years since coming back from that broken finger that he uh, suffered during uh, practice, making an incredible save last month. So yeah, I do think that uh, Jacob Markstrom can keep the flames in games. So I suppose you could extend that uh, to saying that he could keep them in the playoff race. But I, I do think that it would be a lot to ask of Jacob Markstrom if they do trade their number one centerman in Elias Lindholm and what right now is their top defense pairing in Noah Hannafin and Chris Tanev. You take three of your top players out of the lineup on a team that does have some balance and depth, but uh, doesn't have that much balance and depth. Uh, I think it's going to hurt the group. And I think it's a lot to ask from Jacob Markstrom or even prime Mika Kiprasov to to single-handedly put the team on their back and carry them into the Stanley Cup playoffs. So uh, I think if you look at it small picture, he is a goaltender who has proven throughout the course of his career that he can give his team a chance to win the game, even when his team isn't as good as the other team on the ice that night. But uh, bigger picture, I think it would be tough for him or for any goaltender Uh, to keep a team that uh, has decided to sell in the playoff race. I'm not saying that they would completely fall out of it if they traded those three guys. Again, for me, a lot of ifs and buts. If they do trade them, what are they getting back? Is it all futures or are you getting some players back who can help you right now? So it's it's a tough question to answer from that perspective, Pat, but he's playing some great hockey right now and uh, it certainly has been good to see and it's it's one of the reasons why the flames are are hanging around in the western conference playoff race right now wilsey i think you phrased some of that really well and i'm going to just steal it from you because i think regardless of the roster changes that can and will happen to the calgary flames i think jacob markstrom will give the team a chance to win i don't know how many he's going to outright steal but i'm fully confident that he'll give the team a chance and I say this because he did this historically with Vancouver Canucks teams that weren't all that great. In 2019-20, when the Canucks were 17th in the standings, which is roughly in the neighborhood of where the Calgary Flame, well, they'll need to be in the top eight in the Western Conference, but 16, 17 in the vicinity of, he had a 9-18 save percentage that year. In the year prior in 18-19, when the Canucks were 23rd, he had a 9-12 still. So he has the ability when the workload gets bigger and the team in front of him maybe is less competitive, he does have the ability to step in and help contribute in a positive manner like we have seen over the course of the last month as well since coming back from that injury. So I'm confident that he'll still be able to give the team a chance and bail them out, particularly because you're going to have a lot of guys that are probably playing more minutes than they necessarily should, or at least are auditioning to show that they can play those minutes, which is probably going to lead to more high danger chances against. If there's one thing Jacob Markstrom's done extremely well at an elite level this year, top two amongst goalies in the NHL, it's make saves in high danger situations. Yeah, I I really, on the the Markstrom front, I really encourage you to go listen to our chat with Kevin Woodley from uh, Wednesday's Flames Talk Hour Two on Wednesday. Just some uh, a real good breakdown of of some of the the numbers, some of the metrics that goalie people really dive into when talking about uh, the way a guy's performing, and so. Uh, gives you a really good snapshot of the way he's played since coming back from the finger injury and the way he's played all season long. Anyway, what what we've seen from him of late, if if this continues, he could absolutely be what Saros was to the Predators last season. I mean, after they traded away Tanner Janot and Matthias Ekholm and Mikhail Granlund and Nino Niederreiter, like they they traded away their some of their most important players and it was Tyson Berry and Matt Duchesne and Philip Forsberg was hurt and Roman Yossi was hurt and they're still winning hockey games and it's like yeah, they were gritty and and they were getting some contributions from young players and blah 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 but also they had an elite goaltender playing really good hockey and and even even remember the night the Flames got eliminated from the playoffs and the Pred stayed in UC Saros was the biggest reason why and and so yeah I think Markstrom absolutely has that ability and the way that he's played this season to answer my own question I'm I'm a whole lot more confident that he could do this than had you asked me this question last year and what I've seen from him the last six starts and what I've seen from him uh, when, when it comes to his ability to give the team a chance to win on a regular basis all year long. Yeah, I'm, I'm way more confident that he could uh, that he could do that. And here's something else that I think is really important. His teammates are as well. 
whether it was fair or not, because I thought the Flames, despite doing a really good job suppressing shots last season, gave up way too many high-end chances, way too many high-danger chances in comparison to the number of shots they were surrendering. So I think that's one of the reasons why Jacob Markstrom's numbers took a huge hit. But then again, so did Dan Vladar's. And I don't think it's a coincidence that both Flames goaltenders last season saw dramatic drops in their save percentages and dramatic rises in their goals against average. That was uh, a big reason why. But with that said, I also think that Jacob Markstrom took a, a pretty big step back last season compared to where he was two seasons ago when you could argue he was the second best goaltender in the NHL behind the Rangers, Igor Shosturkin. And uh, well, Vezina Trophy voting uh, certainly would suggest that. But, you know, this season he's looking a lot more like that guy. And I know the numbers aren't where they were two years ago. But Pat and Aaron, you can back me up on this, I think. Save percentages around the league are down this season, are they not? They are. Yep. They are. So steadily dropped over the last number of years. If you're in the nine teens, that's pretty darn impressive mm-hmm. in 2023, 2024. And, you know, he's playing at a really high level right now. I'm not sure the team in front of the goaltenders had a lot of confidence in their goalies last year. Uh, I think it's safe to say that uh, Flames forwards and defensemen have a tremendous amount of confidence in, in Jacob Markstrom right now. And I think uh, when you see a goaltender, and I talked uh, about this this morning when I did my one-on-one interview with the Flames coach for our pregame show and had a chance to chat with Kale McLean. I said, hey, but when your goaltender is you know, calm inside the crease, can that translate to your forwards and defensemen in front of him also being more calm in the way they play the game? And he said, absolutely. So you look at Jacob Markstrom, who's been calm and quiet and making things look easy. I think the players have picked up on that, and it's helped them be at their best as well. So he's been brilliant, and uh, let's hope that continues. Uh, and just uh, one note before we go, Wilsey. Um, that bottle of wine I left for you on Tuesday was from Logan. Uh, I wanted to make sure that I remembered well, and I know it's on. I know we're doing it on mic, uh, but I would forget otherwise because I just remembered right now that bottle, I think it was to pay off a bet. Um, so that was yeah. from Logan. I just wanted well, to make sure that you knew that. You know what they say, Pat? It's better late than never. So that bet was my Dolphins versus his Chargers in week one of the NFL season. He wanted to wait till Christmas. What's wrong with that? <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate it. Uh, nice bottle of red. Uh, maybe I'll have some after the game tonight. You know, I'm just going to refrain from the easy empty netter on last week for the Dolphins. I'm just going to refrain from it and instead say we'll see you in a few hours. All right, we'll see you soon. (laughs) He's Derek Wills. He's Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. That'll wrap us up this hour on Flames Talk. Thanks to Taylor and Cam, our producers as well. And that'll wrap us up on the Daily Flames Roundtable, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The fastest-growing segment of vehicles they sell is electric. Informed buyers are coming to see. Perhaps you should discover why. Minutes from the Calgary Airport.